Hi, you're listening to episode one of the Dear Jenna podcast. Okay, hopefully you listened to the intro here so you kind of know what's going on. But essentially, I am an expert in learning the hard way in life, the hard way. And so I'm here now on the internet and on podcasts giving other people advice. (laughs) Very professional. So hopefully you listened to the intro where I gave my email, which is dearjennapodcast at gmail.com. And I need you to email me your questions, what you're working on, what you want to change in your life. And we're going to answer them anonymously on the show. So I'm really excited about the whole thing and that you're here. All right. So I wanted to have a first episode ready for you. And so I text my girlfriends. I have a group text from some junior high friends, actually, that I've been with friends with for over 20 years. And it's called Hype Team, our group text. And we just hype each other up on any given day. And I just text them and I said, hey, I'm starting a podcast, an advice podcast, and I don't have anyone asking me advice yet. So uh, give me something I can talk about. So my girlfriend, Emily, sent me a list of questions. And as a hype girl does, they're all awesome. But I love this one that she sent me, and it is, how do you find your passion as a woman, a stay-at-home mom, whatever category you find yourself in? And it's kind of funny that she would ask me this because I actually, I don't know where I was, but I was having to fill out a form about like a getting to know you form, something may have been at church or somewhere. And they're like, what are your hobbies? And I was legitimately stunned. I had nothing good to say. I was sure I didn't have hobbies. Um, cause like right now my hobbies are just locking my bedroom door and laying in silence. So that's not very exciting to talk about, but I think we all really struggle with this, even though it may look like I have so many passions and I have such a direction all the time. That's not always the case. And that's not always how it feels for me. So I think what happens, especially as women, is we're just holding on to so much of what other people need that we have actually no idea what we need, what we like. And it's not that it's not in there. It's just that we're not taking the time to see it. And it's kind of funny. I was, um, the other day, my sister-in-law, they had come into town and she, she had come by and there was like this tiny little sock. And she said to me, is this our sock? And it's like the most miniature sock. And I said, no, that's not my sock. (laughs) And I thought to myself, my husband would have no idea whose freaking sock this is, but I know full well, even though we have four bins of unmatched socks, that that's not our sock and that doesn't belong to us. And I think it's layer upon layer upon layer of women holding on to that kind of information that blocks us from our passions and what we want to do with our lives and what excites us and what's moving us forward and what gets us out of bed because all we're really thinking about is whose freaking sock that is. So I was thinking about kind of the development of what I'm passionate about and what I'm excited about. And to be honest, I haven't really been excited about much this year. I feel like passion has really not been something I would describe as my year. And maybe that's true of all 2020 
participants. Um, I think it was really hard to find things I was excited about and I hardly even tried. I think I just was getting by. And so actually moving forward into this year, that's something that I'm really focused on is having fun, finding passion again and getting excited. And that's so much of why I started this podcast is because it's always something I've wanted to do. And I just kept thinking of all the ways I would be bad at it. And so I don't know that I am an expert on finding my passion, but I do know that I have allowed myself the permission to find it. And when my first was four months old, I was doing the stay at home mom thing. And we were living in this fourth floor apartment and my husband was working long hours, kind of always did and traveled far. And it was just me and him and I had no car. And I was introduced at that time to blogging. It was kind of a way that I could connect with my family and connect with my friends and post pictures. And it was exciting for me. And I would see everyone's beautiful pictures and I thought, hmm, I, I wish I could take beautiful pictures. That'd be so fun to have for my family and everyone watching and kind of reading the blog. Also at the same time, I started seeing other people's blogs. Obviously it was kind of the age of Blogspot, and some were pretty, some weren't. And sometimes I just thought, uh, I wish I could make this better. There's just got to be a way. How are these people doing it? At the time, there was n- no tutorials or thing. You know, it was just wasn't like it is now. And so I really had to dig and search and try to find ways to make the blog my own. And so I would create headers in like free graphic design places. And anyway, it was kind of funny. I'm sure I, w- I would love to see what it actually looked like, but I felt pretty boss at the time (laughs) because I was dealing with like pixels and code and and different things. So I felt kind of cool, but, um, and other people kind of did too. I, I had friends and family started asking me, Hey, can you do my header for me? And Hey, can you do the sidebar for me? Can you do this birthday card for me or announcement or anything like that? And so out of this was born, this little graphic design business called QA Design, and it it stood for Quinn Andrew Design. And it was this little side hustle I created out of need. And so I think kind of that's one of the first parts of how I found my passion is solving a problem. So I think when we solve our own problems, we get to find what works for us. And we usually get really excited about it. So at that, obviously I was wanting to do the pictures too. And so I started, uh, I got a camera from the money that I earned from doing these blog headers. And I taught myself how to use a DSLR. And I think that's something that I've always been really good at is I'm not an overthinker. So it's actually my biggest weakness in life, but I am like, oh, I want to do that and I should be able to do that. So I'm just going to go do that. So don't think too much about things. And I know that can be a challenge um, in some ways, like when thinking a certain piece of furniture will fit in my living room and Andrew wants to just leave me forever because <laughs> it's not going to, but um, it works in some ways in my life. And this is one of those ways. And so I taught myself how to do it and eventually um, found myself shooting weddings at friends and shooting for my blog. And then eventually, you know, for small fry with my friends, Emily and Nicole. So it was, I don't know, it just ended up being something that I 
I solved for myself. I wanted prettier pictures. And so I taught myself how to do that. And I wanted a more creative, interesting, styled blog. And so I did that. And out of those two things happened to be born something that I could monetize, but that doesn't always need to be the case. I think when a lot of times when we talk about passion, especially with women, the end result is money. And I love to make money, but it's not always what we need to be doing. And it doesn't always need to be the thing that passion results in. And actually, like I was saying, I think I found myself this last year only spending my time doing things that made sense for my family monetarily. And I lost myself in that. So I do think there's a balance that we have to find where we are problem solving, we are finding passion, and we are knowing why we're doing it. So I think problem solving for me has been one of the biggest ways that I found my passion. Later on, obviously, I created Skin Bay, and that was born of having a skin condition called perioral dermatitis. It's always hard to say. And I had it for like a year. And I tried everything and it's a beast. Like if you've ever had it or you look online about it, it's just a nightmare and it's this fungal situation and it's just really not great. And I went to the the dermatologist and he wanted to put me on two months of an antibiotic and having been in the health world, I just knew that's not what I wanted to do to my gut or anything. So I, I, I got to work and the traditional oils that were kind of for the skin just didn't work they irritated it. And that's, that's how this condition works. It's just kind of special and it's very fragile. And so I got to work creating something that would be mild and gentle and transformative for me. And out of that was skin pay. And so, which then became a huge part of my business. And so I love this idea of finding our passion through problem solving in our own lives and thinking about what are the holes? What, what questions do I want answered? What do I want to fix for myself and what does that look like? One thing when we're talking about branding and developing someone's business and I'm trying to help someone is I ask them, what do your friends ask you about? And what, what do people call you about? What do they text you about? What are the things that they need advice from you from? Is it how to make a cake? Is it how to fry the perfect egg? Is it how to sew something? You know, what is this thing that you get asked about all the time? And it seems so mundane and boring to you. And like, how, who would want to know about this? Or that's not a passion. And I think we label things and put them under a box and say, that's not something to be passionate about. And all passion really is, is loving something that you're doing and being fairly good at it and loving it and, and getting pumped on it. And so I encourage you to think about and write down, what are those things that people come to you and ask you for? Another way I've found to find a passion is to try something new. And of course that's, you know, all of that began with problem solving and then trying something new. I think that gets so much harder as we get older. And I'm going to tell you a little story about skiing. So my whole family skis, my husband, his brothers, they go on these long ski trips. You know, the ski trips, they used to be three days and they're five days. Now they're seven days. I imagine next year's ski trip will be two months long. And I love it for them. We joke about it, but they, it's something they are so passionate about and they love to do together. So as the boys have gotten older and they race on a ski team locally and 
and they love it too. And they do it all together and it's so fun. And I'm just hanging back with the babies and I love that. But I found myself last winter thinking as my girlfriends are going up to the mountain all the time and everyone's skiing and having the best time, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I was kind of thinking, everyone goes and does this fun thing and I stay back with the kids and I'm a martyr and I feel bad for myself and woe is me. And I realized I was doing that to myself because I was scared. I was scared. I still am scared. And last year I put on my first pair of skis and I felt so overwhelmed and I love my husband. He's so wonderful. And his favorite way to teach people to do them is just to throw them down a mountain, whether it's mountain biking or rock climbing or skiing. He doesn't really give you any instruction. He's just like, you'll figure it out. And so he put me on skis and I went out with one of my friends and she taught me how. And um, it was overwhelming. I My heart was beating fast. I was really stressed out. I was 34 at the time and just thinking, I can't pick this up. This isn't something I'm going to be good at. And newsflash, I'm still not good at. I am delivering pizzas all down the mountain. But I got up on that mountain and I, it's my favorite story about my now 12 year old, but he, I could see him ahead and his goggles were fogging up and I could just tell that he was crying. And he looked at me and with just this, this most enormous pride and he just burst into tears and said, mom, you are going to love skiing. It just gets better every time. And I'll never forget that experience. And I didn't need to be the best one on the mountain. And I didn't need to be so cool and so chill and like skier babe of the century. But I just needed to show up and try something new. And skiing is not yet my passion. (laughs) I can't say that I can't wait to get there. It's hard every time. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I had, you know, this desire to take the boys and Andrew couldn't go. And I just freaking hauled them in my car. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew they had, you know, 10 years more experience skiing than I did. And they would help me. And we were driving into the ski resort and Quinn's like, my oldest, he's telling me, what are we going to get today? We're going to get the best day with mom ever. And that's all they see. And that is something I am passionate about. I am passionate about spending time with my kids. I am passionate about seeing them soar and do amazing things. I can't believe they're so little and they can do. And so those are the things I'm passionate about. And sometimes the vehicle isn't quite what I'm passionate about or what I want to be doing. But I do trust that eventually it will feel that way for me. And it might be hard for a couple more seasons. I don't know, but I'm willing to try. All right. The next way to find your passion is ob- is a bit more obvious, and that is what excites you and thinking about what excites you. And I know it can be hard because when I think right now, even talking into this microphone, what excites me, it's going to bed. Like that's exciting to me. Um, and so it can be challenging to think about what excites you, uh, especially if you're in any kind of trench, which I think we all are in some way. 
So I think another problem that we have is just overthinking what it is that excites us. I, a few years ago, I saw a white cup and it was so pretty. It's like a tumbler. Do you remember? Do you guys remember when I did those? And I wanted it to fit in my cup holder and I wanted it to have a metal straw and I wanted it to have a way I could like sip out the top and close it and open it. And I thought to myself, I could make my, I could make a a better cup than this cup. (laughs) And so I did. And it was fun and it, people liked it and I liked it and it was a lot of fun. And there were a lot of nightmares associated with doing a product for the first time. Um, but it wasn't something that was going to change the world. Although a good cup completely can't change your world. Um, and my cup of choice now is the Stanley cup that the buy guide did. I don't know if you've seen that, but it has a handle. It's 10 times better than my cup. Um, they elevated my cup or a cup in general, but I think we get too ahead of ourselves thinking it has to be something that matters. And it's only you that's deciding that it doesn't matter. It's not anyone else. Because if you show up in the world and are passionate about something, I mean, everyone's seen Salt Bay, right? Like he's the inspiration basically for Skin Bay, the name. And he salts his meat like it's the last thing he's ever going to do. And you're just mesmerized by it. You can YouTube him. And I think all he does is believe that this salt is the best thing that's ever happened to this meat. And that's all we really have to do in life is just show up and believe that what we have and what we're passionate about matters. Lastly, nothing is forever. I think that motto is like way important to me in life is nothing is forever. I think we decide we're going to do something. We go for it. It isn't what we planned. It isn't what we wanted to do. Maybe we started a new job or we got with a new company or, um, we, whatever started lessons. I don't know what. And it's like, you get into it and it's just not fun and you don't like it. And we stay in it because, well, we said we'd do it. Right. And there's this commitment level in all of us where we're going to finish what we started. And your mom's like, you know, in your ear, kind of maybe, maybe really in your ear, but also you can hear her for the rest of your life whispering, no, we finished what we start. We're going to do what we said we would do and you can't quit. And it really is just up to you to decide that nothing is forever, that everything is fluid. And that if you hang on to something way too tight, you're just white knuckling this thing and it's, you're squeezing the life out of it and it's not getting you anywhere and you hate it, that you then limit yourself to finding what you're actually excited about, what you actually want to be doing, what lights you up and feels so good for you and something that you're passionate about. And so I've learned that letting myself and giving myself the permission to let go of the things that no longer serve me, give my world, my brain, my bandwidth, the space to invite new things that serve me, new things that I'm passionate about. And back to the cups, you know, we spent all this money on the cups and it was a huge leap for us. I remember our first order cost $20,000 and it was like basically what we had. 
And I convinced Andrew and I was like, no, I know I can sell these cups. The margin's good. I know I can do it. And we did. We did awesome first couple rounds. And then this third round we got, or maybe it was fourth. I can't remember, but they were all gray. They weren't white. They were supposed to be like this beautiful, stark white color. And they were this dingy gray. And the manufacturer, of course, didn't care (laughs) that they were gray and not what we had produced in the past. And so I had to go on to sell a thousand cups that weren't white with marketing material that showed them as white. And I had to like kind of say over and over again, they're actually gray. (laughs) And there were customer service issues, of course, and it was embarrassing and mortifying and lots of people loved them. And I decided in that moment that it was no longer serving me, that it was not worth the money. It was not worth the stress and it was not where I wanted to go anymore. And, you know, part of me felt shame in that. And part of me felt embarrassed, right? Like I like to produce things and produce things well. And it was hard for me to accept that it didn't go great. And all I've ever seen about failing is that it's brought me closer to succeeding. And I've never met a person that's done something really well and been a one hit wonder and just come out straight straight out of the gate and just killed it. And so I think that passion and finding it is about being a learner and being willing to learn and having space to learn and willing to learn that you're wrong or that it wasn't for you or that it felt exciting for a second and then it didn't anymore. So how do we find our passion? We ask ourselves, what problem do I need to be solved? What excites me? What do my friends ask me about? Uh, What is something new that I can try? And how can I hold space? So this is me trying something new and in a podcast. And I think it's something I'm passionate about. I feel lit up about it and I feel a fire about it. I'm not good at it. I'm not experienced at it. It's very new and very scary for me, but I'm here showing up and doing my best to try to find passion in my own life. And this podcast is one of those ways to do it. And there's going to be learning curves and mistakes. And I'm grateful that you're here along the way. So thank you for listening to the very first episode of Dear Jenna. Please email me, dearjennapodcast at gmail.com with any questions or advice you want answered. And be good to yourself, be good to each other. And thank you for coming as you are because you are loved as you are.